0: Turn with me please to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. And for sake of time, let's just look at verse 18 onwards. It says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, so that you may know What is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him, raised him from the dead? and seated him, or sat him down, at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all, principalities and powers, might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Jesus has been raised and seated now at the right hand of God the Father on high. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace have you been saved. And he has raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray together. Father, help me, I pray, to communicate something this morning that will help us in our walk, challenge us in our walk, spur us on in our walk, and may it be, O God, that you yourself would be glorified through the preached word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, you can tell even over the last few days I've been involved in a lot of travel. Since taking on this role, just over a year ago, Um, I think I'm on about 25, 26,000 miles that I've driven uh, up and down the country, but it's not just in this country. Just um, a couple of weeks ago, perhaps perhaps two months ago, just before the conference it was, I went on a a massive trip. I don't intend to go on these kind of trips, let me tell you. Um, I, I believe that my place is here in the UK. But some of these things were already set up and then there was other things that came on board. And in the space of about four weeks, I went on 15 different plane journeys. It started off by flying out to um, Portugal, from Portugal, I went to Italy, from Italy, I went then into Sicily, from Sicily I went to India, from India uh, I went to Malaysia, from Malaysia I went to Australia, from Australia I went over to Honolulu, from Honolulu I went up to Dallas. Then there was the cloud and the... Cancellation of BA people and so in order to get home I had to fly down south of uh, America and then over to England and then in England in the next week I found myself in two other countries one in Wales and one in Scotland. So why I'm saying that is because I'm in a very very privileged role and a very very privileged position whereby I am able to meet an awful lot of people from all walks of life Christian leaders, not just within, of course, the Fellowship of Assemblies of God, but uh, those men and women that God has raised up at this time, and I, I count it a great honor to be able to sit at times and just listen and glean from them. And so what I'm going to share this morning, I've entitled actually some of the things that the Holy Spirit is emphasizing to his church today. I mean, I've just called it that now. That was a long title. But it's what God the Holy Spirit is saying to his church today. I'm not talking about our fellowship. I'm talking about the church generally. And it's almost a presumptuous kind of a title. So what would give me the right to even speak on that kind of thing? Well, it's set in that kind of foundation of me having traveled extensively and had the opportunity to sit and listen and talk with people from all walks of life. Before I give you what basically is just going to be a list of a number of things that uh, probably won't come as a shock to you, but may come as a stamp of of confirmation, I trust to you, let me say this, that they know in the airlines now, the ones that I get my points with and what have you, that, that I like an aisle seat. It's easier to skip to the loo, my darling, and not have to bother anybody if you want to get out or anything like that. But because of that particular trip and a number of changes that had to be made I found myself next to the window on several of the flights and um, I think I I mentioned this at the, the conference actually that I again was captured by the thrill of looking out of a window and seeing the perspectives of earth alter the higher up I went Uh, the, The huge fields that are down here become like a tapestry or a patchwork quilt the higher up you go. Those huge buildings, even mountain ranges, that are so huge when we are right next to them on planet Earth, when you go up higher, become so small, almost insignificant. You see, the point is this, the higher up you go perspectives begin to change and we have just read that it is not just Jesus Christ but it's you and I who are born again Christians that have also been raised up together to be seated with him in the heavenly places therefore I conclude that our perspectives ought to be one Of those that do not just see things close up to hand and say that's it, but rather we are with somebody that has declared it is finished. We are with somebody that has already, that we've been singing about, rules sovereign, Lord over all. I've read the end of the book, you may have heard me say it before, we win. Better than that, we have already on the winning side. We live our lives from the perspective that God is in control and that we actually can live victorious and overcoming lives. Not because of who we are, but because of who he is. But all too often, we see things so close up and we don't see the big picture. The question that I sought to answer in uh, this uh, address that I made to the conference this year was based around the question that God asked the prophet: "What do you see? What do you see?" And of course, we, we find that Jeremiah answered straight away. He says, "Well, I, I see the budding of an almond branch." It was a good answer a good answer Uh, and actually that was outlived and fulfilled but God asked him a second time what do you see and he said I see a melting pot tipping away from the north now what you have to understand is this the symbolism and the interpretation of some of those things that Jeremiah saw could rightly be said like this that when he saw the almond branch that was budding. it speaks of fruitfulness. It speaks of life. It speaks of something that is blossoming forward. It was a good perspective to have. When he answered, he said, I see uh, a melting pot tipping away from the north. Actually, that is symbolic of hardship and trouble. It's indicative of pending national or international crisis. So how... Do you see your church? How do you see this nation? How do you see what God is doing on the earth today? Is it that of an almond rod that is budding forth, that there's life and there's something good, and uh, you're excited because there is something? Or is it, in fact, a perspective that says, oh, well, there's impending trouble. In fact, there may be trouble ahead. (laughs) You didn't know I could sing, did you? see the higher up you go the more you're able to say I see that there's good things happening that's not though to n- deny that there are some pretty awful things that are happening and quite obviously to ignore what is happening and just say oh you know everything's wonderful would, would, would not be the case um, where's Kent where's this Kent it's near here, isn't it? It's not far. Is it the next county? Down, a bit down, is it? Quite a long way down. <laughs> oh, geography was never a strong point of mine at school. <laughs> Nothing was a strong point of mine at school. The Kent Police Force now are stating that if the police arrest somebody or if they even question somebody, they must not ask for the person's Christian name. Because that might be. Offensive. Hmm, kind of bit strange, isn't it? Our, our own Prime Minister has just recently, of course, and this is not, not to bring condemnation, I'm just painting a picture of what is happening, uh, has just uh, been the first Conservative uh, Prime Minister ever to have in Downing Street a reception for the gay lobbyists and the uh, promoters. Of that alternative form of lifestyle, I, I was reading just literally sitting there because I printed this off um, last night late, and i didn 't even have a chance to to read it It's quite a quite a good little thing you can get um, it 's the Christian Institute. Now we haven't got to become fearful by this and we, I'm not you know, one of these that just says oh dear, terrible, terrible, terrible. But it just gives you the news as to what is happening in both in Parliament uh, and across the nation. It now says that Richard Dawkins wants to start an atheist school. Prominent atheist professor Richard Dawkins wants to set up a school where children can automatically work out that they are atheists. There's another thing. This has happened this week. A transsexual man has won the right to be treated as a man in the marriage system and a woman in the pension scheme. That's confusing, Arthur or Martha, I'm not sure which. The Lord Mayor of Leicester has banned Christian prayers before council meetings by branding them as outdated, unnecessary and intrusive. Millions of pounds of British taxpayers' money will continue to fund abortions in developing countries because David Cameron has ordered that of the Department for International Development. And so it goes on and on. So there is, there is much that is dark. There is much of that, that melting pot coming down from the north. But the things that I share with you are shared from the perspective of one that predominantly is a visionary. Predominantly is someone that sees, yes, I'm not going to ignore that there are some things that are happening that, well, we we need to to have a voice and we need to make a stance. Uh, But the the truth is, I believe in the sovereignty of Almighty God. I, I believe that if we say he's Lord... Then he's Lord of all. And he's seated at the right hand of God. Oh, but hang on. The Bible tells me that God has raised us up so that we are seated together with him in heavenly places as well. And the higher up you go, the different the perspective. So, what are some other things then? And they won't come as a surprise to you. I began to draw up this list a little while ago um, with a friend of mine uh, from over. Uh, the ward is in Australia, but these are some of the things that without a doubt God is saying to his church at this particular time. They won't come as a surprise, some of them, but I do want to emphasize them to you so that in our churches and the places that you represent, you can address things if you are not seeing these kind of things in operation. The, The first thing that I jotted down was the word generations, and by that I simply mean this, that today's church has got to understand and embrace the truth that God works in His people and through His people generationally. He always has. He is the God of Abraham, and He's the God of Isaac, and He's the God of Jacob. He's the God of the Father and of the Son and of the grandson. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, it says, As for me and my household, we will serve God. The Lord. It is not about the next generation. It isn't about the past generation. It's about the present generation that embraces the good things of the past and embraces that that is going to push forward in the future. For we need the zeal of youth and we need the wisdom of seniority. The sad thing is, of course, it is possible have the wisdom of youth and you can have the foolishness of seniority. But generally speaking, those that have lived their lives like a John Strachan. I I sat with him on quite a number of occasions and let him just talk. Boy, oh boy. His words were words of wisdom. And uh, I would say to any younger ones that are here, get, get alongside don't don't be afraid to ask questions of senior guys make an appointment take keith mundiad and buy him a coffee or buy him some fish and chips or something that'd be a good idea and, and let him just tell you some of his experiences there's wealth there there's wealth of experience but probably he wouldn't be able to run a 5 mile marathon because it would be a marathon 5 miles But some youth can. We need the zeal of youth and we need the wisdom and the maturity very often of the elderly. Now this is just me, okay? Don't be offended if you disagree with this, but I don't like this idea of passing the baton on. I just don't like that at all. Um, I understand that when we come to a certain age, and some of you need to hear this, don't, don't overstay in a position of pastoring And and all the good that has been done in the years is ruined because of holding on to something. We need to tackle issues like that in Assemblies of God. And uh, I know it's an unpopular message. And and sometimes there isn't the security of perhaps even in denominations whereby, you know, there's there's houses been provided for and all this kind of stuff. But the truth is, I I don't like the angle of passing on the baton, but when we get to certain ages, we need to be looking for... uh, for God to open up the doors of opportunity in different ways. What do I mean when I say I don't don't like the idea of passing on the baton? Well, my son, just uh, uh, the week after the conference, so it's probably about six weeks now, he said something like that. Oh dear me, pray for this church, won't you? My son has become a pastor, or at least, I don't know whether he'd become a pastor, but he was inducted into a church, a church that we pioneered 13 years ago. Uh, over the water from Liverpool in a place called the Wirral Bebbington in the Wirral and so my son was inducted into that church about six weeks ago Lord bless the church oh please bless the church <laughs> he's a character he's like his mother he's got a lot of naughty ways in him aren't he? so we do need to pray for that church so he could come to me and he could say hey dad give me a baton Tell him where to go. It's not having my baton. Do you know why? Because I want to be carrying a baton like John Strachan was right to the end. You don't pass on the baton. What you do, you recognize different times in, in your life, and then you can run together the young with their baton and the old with their baton. Every one of us has got a ministry to fulfill. Every one of us has got something to bring to the church of Jesus Christ. And I love it when I go to churches and I see little boys and girls there. And I see uh, young people there. And I see the young marrieds there. And I see the middle age there. And I see the elderly there. That's what church is all about. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. i tell you another thing I don't like. So you might as well hear it from me. I don't like these people that go out and say, I'm going to pioneer a youth church. I've only ever been involved in pioneering, really. That's, that's been my, my life. I, I love pioneering. But how ridiculous to pioneer a youth church. <laughs> what happens in 15 years' time? It's no longer a youth church. So what we've got to do is have a perspective whereby we want to reach the young people. Of course we do. We need their zealousness and the kids. But we've got to realize that it's a generational thing that God is into. And so in your churches look around and realize that for the church to keep advancing the Holy Spirit is definitely re-emphasizing to his church the importance of generations there's so much more I could say about that the, the second thing I've jotted down is this and this has been a hobby horse of mine we, sh- we shouldn't have hobby horses but it's, but it's been something that I've always had with me but it seems even more important today than ever and that is to redefine what we mean by ministry You see, to use a very well-known phrase, we talk about the priesthood of all believers. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verses 4 and 9, we read about a holy priesthood, we read about a royal priesthood, we read about a special or a peculiar people. Well you used to say the Assemblies of God definitely fulfills that role. Well, I don't know what they meant. Oh, I think it's healing myself, but no, <laughs> I do have to be careful it doesn't become a hobby horse. But let me tell you, I do not like a higher archaic system. And here I am, national leader of Assemblies of God. Huh. I I I would like to think, because this is how this is how thick we are when we become denominational. If I could draw a triangle and at the top you've got the national leader and then you've got the national leadership team and then you've got the regional leaders and then you've got the regional leadership team and then you've got the pastors and then you've got the people within the churches. We've got to tip that right upside down. If my role is anything at all, it's to help turn that upside down. It's the people that count. It's our churches that count. And in fact, it isn't a hierarchical system. You can't have good leadership unless you've got good followership. It's amazing the number of people that I meet. I say, what do you do? So oh, I'm a pastor. Oh, very good. Say, well, why is everybody a pastor? That's another thing I'd like to get into, but I'm not going to today. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How many how you many in your church? Well, not, not too many. Well, that's okay, because... Good things come out of small church, Small acorns, uh, oaks grow out of small acorns. So I'm not worried about the smallness of churches. But if after years and years and years there's the same kind of amount, there's, there's, then we have to question something because actually, to be a leader, you've got to followers. And if you ain't got followers, you ain't a very good leader. <laughs> and here's another thing: if you've got leadership, then you will also understand the principle of followership. So I need people that I can look. Up to as well as you know, bring in a leadership to others. Hmm. There's there's so much we could say on this whole question, but I want you to value your volunteer workforce. I want you to volunteer, really value the people that, that are in the car park or make the coffee or this kind of thing or clean the church because they are ministers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand that. Understand that. I I believe in apostles and prophets in the marketplace. I think we need to see more of it. So the person that is the, the checkout girl at Tesco's or Lidl's depending on, or Waitrose, depending on where you go, <laughs> is actually a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ and is to reflect something of the beauty of Jesus in that particular role. She becomes the eyes and the ears and the, the feet of Jesus in that particular role. So it's not those that stand on the platform it's every single one of us finding our... Okay, there are the gift, men and women of Christ. There is that gift that God has given to this church of the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. What's that for? It's so that they might help mature or perfect the church for the work of the ministry. So please, please, let's, let's knock this out. If, if there is any of this in AOG, let's knock it out any thought of a hierarchical type system whereby the, at the very best we are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are to honour and respect and love one another and, and actually redefine ministry so everybody realises that they've got to work for Jesus that only they can do. The third thing is this. And that is, as I've travelled around, I am understanding more and more about the power that there is in honouring. Now I'll explain that because I've seen it go absolutely ridiculous. I've always kind of tried to practice honour, but but more recently I suppose it's gone from there down to here. The word honour, it means to respect or to esteem or to reverence. So therefore, it's quite easy for us to talk about honoring God. Of course we honor God. We esteem him. We respect him. We reverence our God. The Bible talks about honoring one another. So amongst us here today, we ought to honor one another. We ought to respect one another. Esteem one another. But then there is an honor that comes, which is more difficult to understand... Because of not just who the person is. But what they do. The position. Let me explain what I mean. In Exeter, when we were pastoring there. We put on every now and again some large meetings. Where of course you invite you know the mayor and the chief of police. And we invited the, the member of parliament. Our local member of parliament. This fellow called Ben Bradshaw. He was in the last cabinet, the Labour cabinet. Now, I, I invited him to come along. He, he came. He came on several times, Ben Bradshaw did. And uh, some people didn't come to church. Why? Because why should, why, why, why should he be invited? Because I, I asked him to come and say hello to the people. Because his lifestyle is not one that we would probably find conducive with a Christian life. So, Actually, he's a very good parliamentarian, but his lifestyle is not one that we would, would adhere to. But by me saying, you know, bring greetings, and that's all it was at Christmas. He just said, it, it didn't make any political statements. He certainly didn't promote the lifestyle that he's, he's got as a practicing uh, homosexual. He didn't, th- that wasn't anything to do with it. The Bible tells me I've got to pray for that man. And so, actually, I did a deal with him. I said, Ben, you know, bring greetings to the people. Wish them happy Christmas, but then I want to lay hands on you and pray for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, wonderful. And that's what happened. And that happened on several occasions. So was I, therefore, then condoning every aspect of him? Not at all. That was not it. But, But understand this. People, even dictators... Even dictators, they can't be in that position outside of God's ability to handle the situation because he's the sovereign Lord. We don't make God the author of evil and there are some things that we don't understand but the truth of the matter is what I am commanded to do is to pray for those that are in authority. I'm to pray for the Queen. I'm to pray for my representative in Parliament. So this honoring thing is not just about who the person is, but it's a recognition of sometimes the position that they carry. Now, because I'm trying to tackle stuff in AOG that people perhaps haven't tackled in the, in the past. When you have a visiting preacher come to your church and a visiting speaker, please lift the standards in the honor that you give to that person. Make sure that financially, financially, they are are blessed. Not over the top because I've been in don't forget, I was in a church of over 5,000 people in Australia. I have seen the excesses in this thing and it's, I was going to say stinks but you shouldn't say that should you. It's, it smells terrible. <laughs> There's something very bad. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. And some of the honorariums and some of the things that go on in some of the circles of Christendom are not good. It's not honouring, it's it's just evil really, it's very, very bad. And I'm talking about tens of thousands of pounds or dollars can be exchanged in all kinds of... Now a man is worthy of his honour but you can take it all too far. But you make sure that you understand the principle that when somebody is invited in to your situation and they are opening up the scriptures, then make sure you bless them to the very best that you possibly can. And, and, and let's lift this whole thing because we've almost come out of a, a situation whereby, you know, let's, let's keep the pastor poor because then we'll keep him humble. That is, that is not, not a right attitude. Honor, 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 honor. I honor Dave today. We were in a meeting this this last week, and um, we we're all around as, uh, as regional leaders. And he does the very best that he possibly can in bringing leadership and spiritual oversight within this region. So it's only right that I should say, David, thank you very, very much. And I honor you for the work and the ministry that you put in to this region and for the Fellowship of Assemblies of God. all that well just a little trip in India and a few jacuzzis but it's good to honor David who has pioneered and is pastoring one of the great churches in our nation Uh, a church that God's hand is upon and that wherever you go people speak good of it and that's that's you know tremendous and the vision that is in this man and of course when you're away I'm not well it wasn 't holiday was it? It was dear me, it was com- one of these compassion trips, so you 're moving around from place to place very quickly but, but you know I, I want to say that just within your region, because Peterborough 's just up the road, and outside of a fellowship of assemblies of god you 've got here a man who carries an apostolic mantle, has wisdom probably beyond his years, gift him beyond what he even realises and it's right and proper and I have no apology in saying I honour you Dave as the man of God and we welcome you here this morning. Of course everybody claps until you build a church next to theirs. And I'd say build a church next to everyone. Go for it. There's people that are going to hell. We need more Holy Ghost spirit filled evangelistic centres and churches God bless you so we honour here's, here's the thing that, that is difficult for me to say because this can be misconstrued okay, and I run the risk of this being misinterpreted but I've thought hard and long about this and I'm trying to teach from a very practical kind of way but there's a sense in me being here you need to honour me. That's a funny thing to say. Johnny. you are getting proud and puffed up? No, 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 no. You see, why I'm telling you that is because it's not for my benefit. Because I don't need it. I don't, I don't need anybody's honour. I really don't. What honour does, it says more about the people that do it than the person that receives it. And if the people that receive it receive it incorrectly, that's their problem. Do you see what I mean? So therefore, you say, "But I I don't even like you, John." No, but I've got a particular role, and out of that role, then you honour the the position that it comes, which is what I was speaking about before. And we've got to learn something that when we do honour correctly, we did it at the conference. We had Gordon Burgess out, and we pulled him up. We flew him over from Spain. He's been a missionary out there. He's just lost his wife. Uh, and, and there is this man who has planted How many churches, I don't know how many churches He's planted in Spain And you know, is, is, is kind of not all that well known A little bit like Johnny Strachan John Strachan, they held up A New Testament That he had translated into erdy gurdy Wordy or whatever it was And is now Being, I think 50,000 of these New Testaments No, it would be more than that, sorry, 500,000 Is it, of the Erdy-gurdy language That John did Unheard of, hero. Unheard of, hero. And with Gordon Burgess at the conference, we called him up. He's now a senior guy. I don't know know how how old he would be. But to see him stand there and for the whole 900 leaders to stand and applause. Was he becoming big-headed? Not at all. It humbled him. It thrilled everybody else because honor was being done in a correct and powerful way. And wherever I go in the globe, I see honour being done correctly and I see it being done incorrectly. This is just my kind of thing, okay? Again, forgive me for this, but we go over the top sometimes when a, It's fine today. Nothing, nothing wrong with what happened today. But we do go over the top sometimes and we pu- make people heroes, uh, you know, and you stand in your clap <laughs> mm, Not well. I think it can all just go a little bit too far. You have to just watch things. Okay, keep it in balance. If it's done with the right heart, then you know, honour, honour, the power of honouring. I'm just trying to give you a list here. The other thing is dream teams. And um, you might have heard a friend of mine, Danny Guglielmucci, talk on this subject, but um, he's got a great message actually about the lame man that was carried by those four boys, four of his mates. So, you know, they went to the roof and opened the roof up and dropped dropped Jesus down. And the kind of point that he makes is this. That all of those four people that carried him, they were in the same place. And they had the same purpose. They wanted to see the guy healed. And they had the same passion. That was their heart's cry. And they were all walking at the same pace. Because if somebody had been walking at a different pace, it would have gone wonky. And yet they were all in a different position. And that's what we need in our teams. We need to, to recognize that we, we need to be at one in heart. We need to have the same purpose. We need to be going at the same kind of speed. But we can have different giftings and a recognition of that. And there's nothing at all wrong with it. Dream teams are what God is into. If you call it apostolic teams, dream teams, call it what you want. And the other thing is, when you begin to develop a team please, please, don't fall into the trap of trying to make or have everybody that thinks like you and is the same as you. My my team that I've got as the national leadership team, they are very, very good guys. Many of you would know them, of course, quite well. But we're all totally different, and not one of them is a yes man. I like yes men. I mean, it's nice and easy then, isn't it? But but that isn't what's needed. You need people with different perspectives. And you've got... uh, Ian Ian Williams who has a prophetic mantle. So he sees things through the eyes of a prophet, really. And you've got Ian Watson, pastor to pastors. I mean he's just he uses pastoral stuff. Lovely. And then you've got Johnny Andrews. I mean he he, he could write a he could write a word he could write a book on, on the word but he, 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 he is a, you know, he's a teacher and uh, and great, great gift, wonderful preacher, communicator. And then you've got Dougie Williams. He's got the APEC ministry. He's got all, what I mean by that is an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, he's got the lot. I mean, that guy, he's just, you know, and Ken as well. It's, they're all different, different men. But that's what we've got to do. All be different within our teams. Seeing things, but working together. Team is what it's about. It's not for the individual. No superstars. I don't like the superstar syndrome. You've got to be involved in this. I think these days, in order to have a credible ministry within your church, it's spoken about a lot, but community transformation. In other words, it's not about the four walls of a church and what happens inside there, but it's also about reaching the people within your community. Matthew 9, and verses 37 and 38, Jesus says to his disciples, The harvest truly is ripe, it's plentiful, but it's the laborers that are few. So say that. Therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest, he'll send out laborers into the harvest field. We need to be sent out, not stay in. We need to speak out, not stay silent. We need to look out more than we look in. In Isaiah 58 and verse 7, it says, Should we not share your bread with the hungry, and bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked, you are to cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. It's really about being the salt and the light. It's all about being solutions within our communities. And um, we, we now go, Andrine and I, to a pioneer work, which probably wouldn't surprise you. Andrean, she, she's my wife, she's, a, she's the quiet one of the two, but boy, oh boy, she's getting stuck into this pioneer work. We support a young man and it started this year the work did in Portishead where we live which is like a little I don't know whether you call it a village or a town now but on the south of south of Bristol and he's just started a work there with his wife and there's about 40 people now uh, 20 or so adults and about same amount of kids Hire a school and that's our local church he's my he's my pastor really and so he goes all funny when I call him pastor and you know it's kind of nice and although I'm not able to get very often on Sundays because of travel uh, my wife's there and she's a trustee and it's just absolutely tremendous and even though they've only been going since the beginning of the year and it's a brand new church plant already as a part of the DNA he has set in to the people that are attending something of this involvement in the community. So they did a, a litter pick-up the other week where they went to an area where there was particularly a lot of litter that had been left and they just cleaned the streets. Why? Because he wanted to see people in the church? Well, of course he does, but that's not why we do it. You don't do it simply to say, right, if we do this, we're going to get more people in our church. You do it because it's the right thing to do. Jesus went about doing good. And I think that community transformation is a little bit like how we ought to give of our finances. You don't give in order to get, but when you do give, you do get. If you give in the right manner, then God is no man's debtor in any way at all uh, and just blesses you over and over again. And if you're involved in community transformation, if you're involved in reaching out to the people and just trying to feed the poor and look after the widows and, uh, and paint a school building because it's got graffiti all over it uh, and lift the standards of your community, let me tell you, that's a part of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the other thing that happens out of that is the knock-on effect of community transformation is government influence um, it just seems to be linked in there that that when you, you do things within the community the councillors get to know about it and, 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 and doors open, we've got a fellow in our fellowship, I'm going to tell you who he is because he's is, is a real good mate of mine but he's one of the weirdest guys in AOG I mean he just is he is he's an unusual character For a start off, he he walks like a bear. Walks a bit like that. He's got his big beard and looks to me real scruffy. I always tell him, you are scruffy. More recently, over the years, he's got more eccentric. And when you see him now, he's always got a cap on. So he'd come to his regional meeting, he'd be here today if it was in this region, and he'd sit at the back with his cap on, his big beard. His name, because you're all wanting to know now, isn't you? (laughs) Is Alan Hewitt. No, it's not Alan Hewitt. No, it's not Alan No, It's it's Peter Cunningham. Now, Pete Cunningham, he was pastoring up in Southport. He's now handed the church over to his son because of the ministry that God opened up to him. He is the only person I know in the country that can put up a big banner. We have abolished... Homelessness in Southport. There is no homelessness in Southport. Why? Because a good number of years ago, he put his own money in together with someone else, and they bought a little house and started to do it up, and took in two or three of the drunks and a couple of the tramps, and and then then he did another house, and and now he heads up a thing called, I think it's Green Pastures or something like this, and they they're all over the country these jolly houses. If you want to know about helping homelessness, get in touch with Pete Cunningham. But here's the funny thing, this, this funny funny guy who's nowhere near as smart-looking or as good-looking as you and me. The doors of Parliament are open to him. He's invited to go and have an audience with Prime Ministers and, and Cabinet Ministers because they want to know, how do you do it? How can, we, how can we partner with you? Because he's actually fulfilling something of a criteria of eradicating homelessness. What? A, he's one of my heroes. I think he's absolutely tremendous. And he's a funny guy. Funny guy. He, when we talked earlier about peculiar people, he fits into the category. He has got the most wonderful wife. And six, I think it's six kids, all serving Jesus, read up for God. I love Pete Cunningham. And I'd love to be able to talk about him because he kind of goes against the trend of what you should look like and be but because of his involvement in the community then the government influence has come why don't you think about why don't you think about doing something different, why don't you allow your name to go forward as a school governor or a councillor, you probably all know here that for 10 years I was a magistrate and I'm the least likely person to be a magistrate Hmm. I think my time has gone. We could talk about having focused missionary involvement. And by that I mean it's not just a case now of give a hundred pound here and a hundred pound there. But get get something whereby you can know what is happening. Be involved with them more intimately. Help to build a school, but make sure then that sometime you go out and see that school or, or what have you. I wish I had time to talk about this, but one of the hallmarks of what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church today is in the whole whole area of the miraculous oh never ever let go of your roots realize this that this fellowship was birthed out of the miraculous by men and women of faith who believed in the miraculous and when I say practice the miraculous it was Smith Wigglesworth who said if the Holy Spirit isn't moving I'm going to move the Holy Spirit I know what he meant by that he wanted there to be an element about the services that he preached it that had that divine sense about it people out there they want the miraculous there's, there's, I, I flicked the other day on the on the TV. There's that many people with crystal balls and saying, "Oh yeah, ring this number and you'll be. I'll be able to tell you how your uncle Fred is, how he's getting on up there. Oh yes, he's looking down on you. He says he's very happy. What a load of yeah, people, thousands of them. Why? Because there's, a, there's something inside mankind that seeks after that spiritual dynamic that is outside of what the natural mind is and we need to have that walk in the spirit so that our services are impregnated with the element of surprise God do what you will today and let there be not only in our services but in our lifestyles something about the miraculous go for the miraculous this weekend You'll have heard me say it before. I'm going to keep saying it until every one of our churches goes along every Sunday believing for people to be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the other thing. Oh, I wish I could get onto this. but time's gone. Get people filled with the Holy Ghost. You've got guys like this that isn't AOG, that is, you know, moves in... And a lot of our churches that have become established, oh no, we've become respectable. No, we don't, don't let them be speaking in tongues. Don't... don't you don't get me going on it my time's gone the other thing we've got to handle and we've got to understand this is divine networks not denominations but divine networks see the truth of the matter is whether we like it or not God God moves outside of the confines of what we think are our wars now am I assemblers of God? <laughs> my wife and kids would never never have thought that I would have said this but, but uh, totally of course I have 100% that's, that's where I was bored again. I went to the college I pioneered Assemblies of God churches, only served in Assemblies of God. Of course, that's, that's my roots. That's, that's who I am. Yeah, I am. But actually, I'm not one of these that if you broke me in half, and here's the national leader saying it, you wouldn't see Assemblies of God there. Because there's something a little bit bigger and better than Assemblies of God. It's called the Kingdom of God. And so I've got relationships and friendships that are as strong with people, brothers and sisters, outside of that circle. And it's called divine. And our churches have those. But that does not rob me of being 100% loyal to the fellowship. We, 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 these days, people don't like brand loyalty. I think you can have brand loyalty and be loyal to, to your roots and where you are and yet still realize that outside of that, there can be those relationships. Colin Cooper's one of those guys. Been a mate of one for years and years and years and very last of all because root time really has gone and that is a generosity of spirit a generosity of spirit and I, I wish I could talk about that but wherever you go in the world today you see that where God is blessing there's it's amongst the people that, that know how to be generous and I'm not just talking here in the finances I'm not just talking about that I'm talking there's something more than that it's, it's the generosity that that Joel Edwards displayed now Joel Edwards I mean, he was the chairman of the Evangelical Alliance. He now runs the Micah project, which I want everybody to get on board. It's a tremendous thing. Remember the date, the 10th of the 10th, 2010. That's a real initiative of a prayer day for really trying to keep governments to account for the abolishment of poverty and, and so on. Joel Edwards, he's one of our ministers. He is an outstanding, exceptional guy but when he was at the conference, there was another guy. He didn't know who he was, and this guy didn't even know who Joel was. But he overheard that this guy needed a lift. The generosity of the spirit. Joel says, "Look, look, I'll, I'll take you. Come in my car. I'll take you." Well, "You would? Yeah, yeah, yeah." So he took him in his car, and they began to find out who they were. One is one of it's one of our pastors. <laughs> no, they're both our pastors. Joel is as well. Anyway, it ended up as a divine appointment, and now this one pastor is doing one day a week for Micah Project for Joel. Marvelous little divine encounter. But my point is this, Joel, as big as he is, is big because he's small enough and generous enough to say, Can I give you a lift? I'll go out of my way to make your day better. That's a big man, and that's generosity of spirit.